Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinel's John Adams. Adam Sparks is on vacation, should be back with us soon. Adam was on vacation last time we podcasted, John. Does he, you've been with the company for like, what, 100 years now? Does Adam somehow have more vacation time than you? That would be hard to believe. Uh, He may have picked up on what I do is uh, just taking vacation. And I don't think the company really keeps track of that in the system that well. So I, I might get. seven or eight weeks of vacation during the course of the year and nobody says anything about it so i just kind of keep rolling that way it's probably what adam is doing i hope management doesn't listen to this podcast john oh no i I mean i think the boss is probably looking at this as okay we trust those guys just like they trust me with my vacation time it all works out in the end well someone who has it hasn't worked out for in the end, I guess, is former Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt. And why are we talking about Jeremy Pruitt? Well, Jeremy Pruitt was uh, was making headlines recently, John. He's resurfaced. He's, he's back in the news. I've been wondering what Jeremy Pruitt is, is up to since he was uh, not retained as an analyst with the New York Giants. Of course, they had a, a coaching change, the Giants did, after their, their uh, last season. And and that led to the assistant coaches being let go. So Jeremy Pruitt's been been out of work since then. So what's he up to? He's joining podcasts. I wish we, we could get him on here, but he's not on the Volunteer State, but recently he was on a podcast called Crane & Company. And lo and behold, Pruitt was talking about the Vols and doing so in a, in a complimentary way. We'll get to that in a, in a moment, John, but first... You think about the idea of Jeremy uh, hitting the podcast circuit, maybe getting his own pod. Uh, would you listen to that? To that? Uh, no, not for a second. But I, I think that Crane and Company kind of sounds like a construction company. I wonder if this podcast is just kind of temporary, where he's actually sort of segueing into the uh, construction company business. Uh, I could see him with a hard hat out there managing a project. Can't you? I mean, I think giving Man- managing a project. No, I'm, I'm I misspoke. <laughs> Come on now. I, I can see him hitting a nail with a hammer. So no I actually see. I disagree with you. I'd listen if Pruitt had his own podcast. I think that would be great theater. He he did know how to make headlines, sometimes unintentionally. You know, he did say some things that it's like. What? <laughs> Whoa. Well, you know, I I, th- I think the the Jeremy Pruitt hour. That, that could be a decent podcast. And the problem with that is, yeah, it could be great theater, but the problem with that is if you listen to that enough, his lexicon might kind of seep into yours and the, and you might start mismanaging the English language. I, I noticed uh, former Tennessee athletic director Philip Fulmer used to say 
pronounce the word kudos, he pronounced the word kudos. And that you hear it enough, and it's funny when you first hear it, you think, ha, what a what a joke. But then it it's in it's in your head. And I've actually caught myself saying kudos. And it's kind of a weird word anyway. So kudos doesn't sound any stranger than kudos. So I, I would well, proceed with caution if you do that with Pruitt. Okay. Well, kudos yeah. to Pruitt for uh for taking on the the Tennessee questions here. He wasn't really talking about his Tennessee tenure much or um you know this fiery lawsuit that his lawyer threatened uh last fall. Mm. Nothing ever came of of that, no lawsuit, no settlement. And yeah. so here we are, uh Tennessee a year and a half after firing Pruitt, never did pay him any any buyout. But Pruitt has some complimentary things to say on this podcast about Tennessee. So I'm going to tell you, go through a couple of his comments here. John, he was discussing the Tennessee program right now. He said, quote, if you look at Tennessee this past year, I think Josh and his staff have done a really, really great job transitioning. That's always tough when you replace a new staff, and I think they've done an outstanding job. They're building something there especially on offense. If you can yeah. score as many points as they can, you're a dangerous team. That's interesting, John, because the the real downfall of the Jeremy Pruitt, well, you, there's a few downfalls of the Jeremy Pruitt era, but one of the downfalls of the Jeremy Pruitt era was never could get that offense right, never could get the quarterback right. And even he has acknowledged, acknowledging here that, hey, that offense is looking pretty good under Josh Heupel. Well, and it looks even better when you contrast it what it was looking like under Jeremy Pruitt. So I'm glad he recognizes that. And maybe if he had it all to, you know, if he ever has a chance to do it again, like, uh, I don't know, in Gadsden or uh, Talladega, Alabama, maybe he'll have a better offense down there. Well, and as Pruitt said, uh, he was he was later asked to identify some breakout teams in the SEC for this season. And he pointed to two. Pointed at Tennessee and Kentucky. And with Tennessee, he said, quote, Hinn and Hooker, as they grow that offense and, and develop a little bit de- on defense, they're going to score a lot of points. And he mentioned, like, you know, you got to you got to have a quarterback that helps you in, in your offensive success. He pointed to Will Levis at, at Kentucky, but also Hinn and Hooker at Tennessee as allowing those two teams as being sleeper teams. Well, that was the one thing he could never get right was the quarterback position, but I guess he does recognize, at least when someone else has a good thing going, and Tennessee does have a good thing going here with, with Hinden Hooker. It, you know, I don't know that really Pruitt was, was trolling Tennessee. In a way, he might have been accidentally kind of trolling himself by talking about how good the <laughs> offense is going there at, at Tennessee. So maybe he's just saying, hey, you know, I'm out of work. A lot of these former coaches, they get into the analyst line of work. It's not going to do him any favors to troll his old employer. You know, you got to be seen as a as a fair, unbiased source here if you're going to get into the analyst game. So maybe Pruitt's just auditioning himself here for a future as an analyst. Mm. You're struggling to see it, I can tell. I, I think he needs to pick up that hammer and start hitting some nails. I, I just think that's where his future could be. Maybe as an analyst, he made a point with with Hinn and Hooker, and let, let's 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 explore this a little further because I think. When you get into the reason why Tennessee has some lofty expectations for this season, or some higher expectations, I guess I should say, and you're you're seeing it in some of these preseason top 25s, I think a lot of that 
starts with Hendon Hooker, the, the transfer quarterback who, you know, Tennessee turned to last September in week three. And then as you know, he, he hit the ground running and, and, you know, never looked, looked back, had a, had a very, very good season last year and came back for a super senior year. So recently, John, within the, the USA Today Network, we were asked to do these top 10 rankings at each position within the SEC, and those will be unveiled later this summer. Um, but I don't mind unveiling my own ranking list right here on the Volunteer State Podcast as a treat for our listeners. So as I was ranking my top 10 SEC quarterbacks, okay, you have the reigning Heisman winner, Bryce Young. I think in fairness, he's got to be number one, right? But then it gets kind of tricky. Like there's probably about four or five guys who you could have as number two on that quarterback list. You have Hendon Hooker, the man right here at Tennessee. You have Spencer Rattler uh, coming into the league at South Carolina from Oklahoma. Uh, Will Rogers at Mississippi State had a very, very good year last year and is now settled in and, and has a full grasp on that air raid system at Mississippi State. And then the guy I actually went with at number two on my list of SEC quarterbacks uh, is K.J. Jefferson, the returner at, at Arkansas. As you know, I'm high on Arkansas as a dark horse team this year, and I thought K.J. Jefferson was excellent last year. And, and um Really, I don't think he gets the attention that he deserves. Uh, I think he still flies below the radar despite having a great season last year. So I went K.J. Jefferson 2, Hendon Hooker 3 on my list of SEC quarterbacks. Where would you where, do, where would you have Hooker at on, on your list? Uh, well, I don't think uh, K.J.'s under the radar because you're as uh, SEC columnist with Gannett. I mean, you're praising him to the high heavens so i wouldn't say he's under the under the radar or underrated but i would probably have Hendon hooker as second behind bryce young and then go with spencer rattler third uh that that's a tough call because spencer rattler is a very talented guy i like Hendon hooker's running ability it kind of separates him from a lot of guys at the position in the sec uh, Rattler's pretty mobile too, but I, I'd go with Hendon Hooker. I mean, he had a those thirty-one touchdown passes with only six interceptions. I think was a stat last year. Pretty impressive. You know, the other thing you think about John, as you're thinking in in terms of positions, I encountered this ranking wide receivers. You go down the list of top ten wide receivers in the SEC. I got Kayshawn Butte at at number one, the LSU wide receiver who was off to a I mean, just a monster season last year before he got hurt. He's back, so I have him on top of the list. But then you get to a point like, I mean, doesn't Cedric Tillman have to be there in your your top probably two or three or four wide receivers in the conference? I mean, he he's back this year for his super senior year. Could have gone to the NFL, didn't, came back. And, uh, I mean, he he's coming off of a, of a really strong season, and you look at what, the SEC brings back you know, Cedric Tillman's coming off a thousand yard season at, at wide receiver. I think he's got to be among the the conversation when you're talking about top wide receivers in the league. Oh, I agree. Uh, Cedric Tillman also, he came out of nowhere. I thought Jeremy Pruitt and during his time at uh, Tennessee, we'd mentioned Jeremy earlier. I, he did a great job uh, hiding Cedric Tillman's uh, 
talents, don't you think? I mean, he came out of nowhere. Jeremy did sign him as a diamond in the rough, at least. You know, he was a guy that but, wasn't getting much hype on the on the recruiting trail. Now, sure, he didn't develop while Pruitt was here, but he, he at least signed him. He remained in the rough during Jeremy's tenure, and now he's a diamond. I don't think the league is as bountiful at wide receiver as it has been in past seasons in recent in the recent past. Remember when LSU just seemingly had 15 guys that were NFL prospect prospects, Alabama, pretty much the same, uh, Florida. No, I, I think that's a good call. I think Tillman would be the number two guy. So it's not as though Hooker doesn't have choices. And I think the addition of Brew McCoy, the transfer from Southern Cal, a former five-star uh, elevates the receiving core. The guy's got tremendous potential. He had some off-the-field stuff at Southern Cal uh, that led to his uh, dismissal, but he's good to go at Tennessee and form a five-star. And then also you've got Jalen Hyatt, sort of a prize recruit a few years ago, now uh, had a really good spring and seemingly has has won over his coaches who seemed very high on him this spring. So that that to me is a good receiving core, one of the better ones in the in the SEC. It gives uh something for, gives uh Hendon Hooker's a lot to work with. It was it was a few bleak years for Tennessee at quarterback, John. So I think already we can say without too much debate that Hinton Hooker is Tennessee's best quarterback since Joshua Dobbs. The, the years yeah. in between Dobbs and Hooker, I mean, they're not really worth dissecting and rehashing here uh, on the podcast. So he's the best quarterback Tennessee's had since Dobbs. However, if he can have another season like he did last year, and, and as we know, Hooker didn't start the first two games of last season, so now he's, he's going to do it a full season. If he can have a season that good or better this year, would Hinton Hooker be in the conversation for best Tennessee quarterback since Peyton Manning? I mean, there's been some other guys that have come along there. We mentioned Dobbs. Um, you got uh, Casey Clawson would certainly, I think, be in that conversation. But does Hinton Hooker, do you think, with a really, really good year this year in a, in a good two-year stretch, does he have a chance to be in that conversation of best Tennessee quarterback since Manning? Uh, very much so. Uh, I think if he just duplicates his numbers from last year, and that's certainly feasible, that, uh, yeah, he would be in that conversation. It, it's a, it's kind of a wide-open discussion because Tennessee has had some some good quarterbacks, not great ones. T. Martin is revered for leading the team to a – a national championship the year after Peyton left. He did some really good things. A great clutch player. He could run, very mobile quarterback. Eric Ainge, sometimes uh, people forget about Eric Ainge, but he was good enough to start as a as a freshman in 2004. And you look at the Tennessee record books, Eric Ainge's name is all over that. Yeah, he had he had a severe injury that set him back, and he struggled as a in his sophomore season. But again, when you look at the bottom line and you look at his numbers, are respectable numbers, and he's all over the Tennessee record book. Casey Clawson started for four years. How many guys do that in the SEC? And probably had not probably he had Tennessee as close to competing for a national championship. Uh, 
is anyone closer than anyone since uh, since that national championship season in 1998. In 2001, Casey had uh, Tennessee on the brink of playing for a national title, but it lost in the SEC game to LSU. So I, I had a lot of respect for Clawson. I thought he was, was a tough guy, good passer, uh, not a running threat. But so there are a lot of guys in that discussion. I, I think that's a good point, though. If if Hendon Hooker can do this season even better than last season, I think he could be. He would be hailed as a as probably second only to Peyton Manning in the last twenty or so years. Yeah, he can't match the. To your point, he can't match the longevity that Casey Clawson and, and Eric Ainge had. He's not going to be able to match the career numbers that those guys had because they, you know, they were starters, um, for so long and, and Hendon Hooker's only going to get two seasons at, at Tennessee. So career number wise, he won't be able to match that, but just in terms of the, you know, two, two really, really good seasons, the best two year snapshot. Yeah. I think he, he could leapfrog maybe those guys and Joshua Dobbs as, as well. You, you've mentioned four guys since, Peyton, that I guess is is where the conversation kind of starts and ends for best quarterbacks since Peyton. You have, you know, in the conversation that you mentioned, you have T. Martin, Casey Clawson, Eric Ainge, and Joshua Dobbs. Who's the, at the head of that list for you? Like, who has that title right now of this guy was the best Tennessee quarterback since Peyton Manning? I, I know you you kind of made the case for all of them there a little bit, or I guess I made the case for Dobbs, and you made the case for the other three, but. Is there someone at the top of that list? If if Hendon Hooker's gonna gonna head to the the top of the list since Peyton, who, who's he got to pass there at the top? It is really a tough question because I respect what those guy all those quarterbacks did at Tennessee. I really like Joshua Dobbs. Um, I thought I would have liked to have seen Joshua Dobbs in Josh Heupel's offense. I think Joshua Dobbs could have been. I mean, he's he's still in the NFL, isn't he? I mean, he's kind of hung around the league. Yeah, I believe he is. Yes. Yeah, and but such a tremendous runner, which matters so much in college football to have a quarterback who gets in the open field and just take it to the house, as they say. It's really hard for me to to make a call on that. I will say that. You look at what they did in their situation, it's it's hard not to rank T. Martin near the top because he fit that team really well. It was a talented team, went unbeaten, good defense, won the national title, and he made, he made some great deep throws in that season. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't know who I would rank second to Peyton. Across 40 years as a columnist, you might be up to 50 years now, I think, there's probably not many times you've been lacking an opinion on on a matter. here. And here we are. We've, we've found that issue. Best Tennessee quarterback since Peyton. First time in the last 50 years that longtime columnist here, John Adams, has been well, at, a, see, at a loss you, for an opinion. You, you've challenged me there, so I have to come up with somebody now, and I think I would go with uh, Joshua Dobbs. Dobbs. Okay. He he overcame Butch Jones. There's a lot to be said for that. Fair enough. All right. So your list of quarterbacks, remind me of the SEC, you're one, two, three. It's Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, 
and then Spencer Rattler. Yes. I go with Bryce Young, KJ Jefferson, Hinton Hooker. Uh, but I have Spencer Rattler as number four on on my list. So I think we're we're in the same ballpark there. So maybe based on our lists, at least I have KJ Jefferson at number two. And as you said, my opinion counts for something. So maybe maybe the most underrated flying under the radar quarterback in the SEC is not KJ Jefferson, my guy. Maybe it's actually Will Rogers. Neither one of us have him in in our top three, and yet, well, Rogers is pretty good. He he's got that air raid system. Mike Leach down. He'll probably you know, he very well could lead the conference in passing yards this year. If not, I mean, he did last year in terms of yards per game. He led it. I, Bryce Young got more more games, so he did get Will Rogers in the end in total yards. But in terms of yards per game. Will Rogers was the was the leading guy last year, so maybe maybe I need to drop my argument for KJ Jefferson being most uh, most uh, underrated quarterback in the SEC. Maybe it's actually Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Yeah, I think Will Rogers is discriminated against because of his numbers in the air raid offense. Everybody completes a lot of passes, throws for a lot of yards in that offense. In Mike Leach's system, he's extremely accurate. And he's really good on those timing routes, which is so significant in that offense. I mean, his accuracy, I've seen him drop balls right between defenders. He's really got a nice touch, not very mobile. And he doesn't have a great receiving core. I would like to see him with Tennessee's wide receivers or LSU's for that matter. That's a good point. Yeah, I would agree with that. We opened here. Well, I guess we opened talking about your vacation time and how you sometime may, somehow managed to get eight weeks oh, of vacation. But Yeah, uh, I think nine was my max. I think I should point out I'm just kidding with that. Okay, sure. You, you really I, I don't stretch want, it to six or seven, right? I, I don't want somebody delving into my computer records and my analytics, as they say. I, I don't think that's the way we want to go. Yeah. I'm just well, happy to have a job and work with a fine company like Gannett. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. we started with that and then we segued to Jeremy Pruitt. So I even though we got back into your vacation time, I really want to finish with a, a thought about Pruitt here. He's out of work and and we can make light of these comments he's making as a as a sideshow on some podcast. However, I think it's going to be hard for Jeremy to get back into the college game until this NCA investigation reaches its finish line. And we find out just what type of penalties are going to be handed down, you know, on Tennessee, uh, on Jeremy Pruitt, on others in the program. I, I think if you're a hiring college, you're, you're probably going to stay away from Jeremy Pruitt until that thing hits its finish line. But let's say, John, investigation ends and the penalties aren't that bad on Pruitt or whatever. There's there's nothing so egregious that you can't hire him if you're a college would you hire him, not as a head coach, but if you're a, a Power 5 program, would you consider hiring Jeremy Pruitt as your defensive coordinator? Uh, maybe somewhere like, uh, I don't know, Valdosta State, uh, No, Power five, power 5. Oh, no. oh, no, 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 not at all. I would say, I, I would, if I had a construction company, I would hire him, and I would try to, I guess the only question I would have in that regard is, to give him a hammer or a saw, which one do you think would fit his skill set better? But no, not not his power five uh, skill. I'd give him the hammer and maybe make that his nickname, the hammer. Jeremy Hammer Pruitt. I, I would hire him as 
power five coordinator. If really? in the in the right circumstance, I think you need a really you don't need a head coach who's you know kind of weak, kind of on the borderline maybe of getting fired there because Jeremy could try to use you know shove that guy aside, usurp his power, and then and then you're going <laughs> no nowhere fast. But if you're a guy like Nick Saban or, or Kirby Smart, you know Jeremy's worked under under them with success, worked under Jimbo Fisher. They're uh, not hiring him. Yeah, excuse me, Kirby. He didn't work under Kirby. He worked under Mark Richt, and Kirby said yeah. no thanks. But, Kirby said see. You. Yeah, so correct myself. He worked under Nick Saban, Mark Richt, and, and and Jimbo. But I don't know. I think if you got a really strong coach, I think Pruitt could still be a, a good defensive coordinator. He's been a good coordinator in the past. It just has to be a set clear. Like you know, you're not in charge of this program. You're coming nowhere near the head coach's chair. Just coach up those boys on on defense, and and that's that. I I, I might be kind of tempted. I can see it. You're not. I can see the look well, on your well, face. Here's the problem I had. Jeremy Pruitt had a great reputation as a defense coordinator. National championship team at Florida State under Jimbo. National championship under Nick Saban at Alabama. But I never saw that defensive expertise impact Tennessee in his three years as head coach. Uh, it just makes me wonder if you've got this enormous amount of talent. Yeah, he's good defensive coordinator, but he ha- if he's a guy that has to make do with lesser talent, mask weaknesses, I just don't know if he's your guy. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I just think that Jeremy, I believe, spent way too much time micromanaging the offense and meddling in that offense. And if you just kicked him out of the offense, say, spend all of your time on defense, which is what your expertise is on anyway. You don't get to come anywhere near the offense. I think maybe you might see more of his aptitude as a defensive coach then. But maybe you're right. Maybe he just was a a product of having really, really good talent around him at those, those previous stops. Well, I think that's a that's a a really good point. Maybe just left to, with a defense, he would do a much better job. Maybe he would have done a better job with Tennessee's defense if he didn't even go in Tennessee offensive uh, meetings. But uh, I still say uh, give that man a hammer or a saw, but don't ask him to do both. Just let him focus on one with your construction company. I'm willing to give him a microphone. So if Jeremy's listening, he's welcome on this podcast anytime. Uh, John, you're welcome on this podcast anytime too, but I suspect you get about five weeks of vacation coming up. So perhaps we'll have to lean on Adam the rest of the summer. But yeah, thanks for... That's, uh, that's six, okay. Okay, thanks for holding yeah. it down with me this week. And, and thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.